Welcome to another episode of Lovers and Things Podcast. Where your favorite couple's favorite couple talks about the things they, they love. love. They- oh, dang. Yeah, we got it. They know what time it is. <laughs> Y'all know what time it is. This is what happens when you deviate from the plan. I'm over here trying to be creative, mm. you know, paying outside the lines. Yeah, I'm still on that. Dun, dun. Bum, 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 bum. We were just listening to dun, Law and Order SBU theme song. <laughs> Yes, we were. <laughs> because it's a vibe. <laughs> you wanna you wanna bless your day, y'all listening? Mm-hmm. Um, go to YouTube, mm-hmm. search Law and Order SVU, mm-hmm. uh, and then look at the video of someone dancing. It's a couple, but make it dance. That's what uh, called Law and Order SVU, but make it dance. Love it. That is quite an impressive display. It's really good. You can tell they're trained professionals. Yeah. Well, I'm Greg. I'm Lex. <laughs> and welcome to another episode. <laughs> um, tell me about how just how has your week been? It's been well. You know, I always like to ask the audience how they're doing before we mm-hmm. ask about ourselves. How are y'all doing? Y'all doing okay? All right. Uh, sounds good. But I'm also doing well. Yes. Um, this week was recovery week for me and my my shoddy knee. Yeah. Um, I don't know, y'all. It's fine, though. Um, <laughs> so this week has been me doing nothing. I haven't walked much. I haven't left the house much. I've just been nursing this this mm. knee injury. Yeah, and the fabric of your sanity, it's almost approaching its wit's end. Yeah, it's unraveling slowly. Because you have slowly. not been gymming. I haven't been gymming. I haven't been Zumba-ing, which is just like my the lifeline. keeping you sane. Yeah, those are the things that I love around my mm. day-to-day, and I can't do them, so I'm just like, uh, I want to go back to my regular life now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm tired of this. Um, but I'm doing well, all things considered. How about you? I'm good, but you've been talking about slowly getting back into it mm-hmm. in a more of a... Um, kind of lighter on your knee yeah away. we're gonna let it recover because i don't want to re-injure myself so i am taking your advice and just you know we're gonna start slow yeah yeah um but personally that mean thanks this week has gone by gone by very quickly for me oh um i think it's because i had the yankees game in the middle of the week you did you want to share yeah the moment you drop like a big event in the middle of a week that week is automatically faster because the two days before it uh, kind of are in anticipation mm-hmm. and then the two days after is recovery That's <laughs> so um, yeah I went to my first Yankees game that is so cool it was very interesting I felt like I, I unlocked a new badge what? a New Yorker badge I unlocked um, that uh, level I could see that yeah it was uh, in the new stadium apparently the stadium was built I think 2019 oh like I didn't that. know that um, up in the Bronx and it was quite a vibe oh. we went to a like a little bar um, right before the game mm-hmm. to get some drinks it was this rooftop experience and right alongside uh, the, the four <laughs> train and then we're on this rooftop drinking chatting and then the subway train will, will drive by. How New York. And off in the distance is the Yankee Stadium. Wow. Felt very New York. Very New York. Look at yeah, you. I even bought myself a Yankees hat. You did. He came back with a Yankees hat. And I was like, oh. Which um. I had <laughs> pledged to never buy. <laughs> yeah, because like, it just this, felt so inauthentic. This is happening. Yeah, I bought a Yankees hat. And it felt right because yeah. there was a moment in time I was at the game. I felt like now if this feels genuine. Good for you. So if you see me out here in these streets with a Yankees hat, don't be shocked. Yeah, I know what it is. You know? Also, the the Marlins hats have been kind of 
lame. The Florida Marlins. <laughs> first of all, it's not the Florida Marlins anymore. It's the Miami Marlins. Oh, um, they're the Miami? When did that happen? Yeah, and they don't have any, like, nicely stylized hats. It's always got Gross. this, like, fun- funky color in them. Mm, um, that's Florida for you. But yeah, that's that was pretty, pretty dope. And it was a good game. I saw a couple of home runs. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, well, no, I I got everything I needed. Got up out of there. That's you so see a baseball. Few home runs. Had so some, baseball. Had some hibachi. Okay, so uh, when when you told me you had is, hibachi, because I was asking Gert if he wanted anything to eat for when he came back, and he's like, no, I had stadium hibachi. They had a I was like, what? <laughs> on premises. Did, really? Was it they actually had, a Benihana? I mean, okay. know, without the okay. smoking volcano was or there, the choo-choo train. Do they have white sauce at least? Uh, they had a little packet of white sauce. I love that for it you. It was very bland. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> was. Um, the dish, the meal was just fried rice literally fried rice not uh-huh. like f- fried rice with yeah. the scallions and, no literally hot rice and, 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 and carrots mm. and, and they have peas in it no peas. it was just rice mm. that was fried oh my gosh <laughs> and then uh steak little steak cubes i'm not surprised if you have the option of Very stuff mid. that's you know available to you you always gonna go with the rice option <laughs> you always gonna go with whatever yeah, option gives I mean, you rice <laughs> Uh, some people had chicken in a cup, and yeah. I was going after that. Then I saw the Benny Han Han mm-hmm. sign, the Benny Hanna sign. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, see, let me see what's going on there." <laughs> I knew it. I would have guessed that. For you. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of uh, that was my week. Good and, for uh, you. I don't know. I, I'm gonna start wearing this Yankees hat, and I'm gonna carry that New York energy. You know, I feel like it's taken over me uh-huh. over the years. Like, I don't know if anyone follows like the comic book, the Spider Man comic book series or whatever. But over time, this this like virus took him over and he became like the black spider-man oh okay and uh it like kind of like the venom character oh yeah and uh, i feel like that's happening you know next thing all comes at us with black forces and at that point we'll have to reassess um (laughs) (laughs) how we move forward because not the black force i got i already got the yankees hat (gasps) you know what's next what no I'm gonna say it. The Tims is now, coming. Now, the rent. The minute the you bring back are, a puffer Tims jacket and Tims, we're gonna have to talk about what's <laughs> happening. Like, this is not what I signed up for. Hey, don't believe me? Just watch. It's oh gonna happen. Oh my gosh, too much. But I'm glad you had a, a good time at the game. And I would like to go. I don't. Yeah, I haven't been to a baseball game since I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I certainly have not been to like a Yankees game. Um, like like no. a major league baseball yeah, game. Yeah, a major league. Yeah, a major league baseball game. Yeah, we can make that happen. Yeah, you know what? I was kind of stressed about the commute. Yeah, from all the way up in the Bronx, back to Jersey. That's far. Um, but actually, I figured it out, and I I got back. So we can figure out. It'll be a good vibe for us to hang. It's real chill. Yeah, just sitting around. Even the players are kind of chilling. It's very slow. You know how baseball mm-hmm. is. No, I'm I'm here for it. So I'm glad you had a good time. You and you came back with also a souvenir cup, which is so cute. Yes, a souvenir shaker cup <laughs> to make cocktails in it. Oh man, good stuff. Yeah, but what else has been going on with you? That's about it, or that's it. I th- I did want to talk about though. So last week we, um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, what is you doing? Okay, go and hit back to the episode from last week. We had so much fun, and we were talking about unserious generational curses. Uh-huh. Um, and so we um shared our own, and then we post to you guys on our Instagram lo- at Lovers and Things Podcast. Um, what some of those things were for you guys, and y'all did not disappoint. Uh-huh. So we have two of them here that we wanted to share and to shout out um you guys for participating with us and having fun with us on social it was a good time but i'll let you have it the first one is from thomas yes there all was, right oh, thomas so, says yeah unserious uh generational curses we'll just highlight a couple of the comments all the different 
plastic cups from basically any event in the cupboard. That universal circus cup can go, and that big gulp cup that hasn't been gulped, we can leave it in a pasture or recycle responsibly. <laughs> That's such a here. good one. Yes, I'm with you. Although I got my Yankees commemorative just about cup. I say, what is the time limit on the Yankees cup? 36 get... months. What? Any commemorative cup, the clock is, the moment it walks into your house, 36 months until you got to get rid of it. To three the, years, Gregory? Basically, the artwork on the cup has to start to fade and be unrecognizable, which is about 36 months. Then you can get rid of it. <laughs> okay. The so, clock yeah. starts now. <laughs> um, another one that came through was throwing the stained spaghetti bowls away, oh. which is real. That one's from Kayla, right? Mm-hmm. That's real. Um, Yeah, I totally agree with that one. And, you know, no shade to the mamas out there, but y'all be holding on to Tupperware way past its prime. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. But um, I want to get into some news. We we got a couple of things that happened. Um, Trump's mugshot got dropped. Oh, I didn't know and, we were uh, discussing him. I don't. I prefer not to give him a platform. But can but. we acknowledge the mugshot? I'll let you do it. <laughs> well, it was. It, in my opinion, is t-shirt worthy. It's definitely something that should be printed on a shirt. It is something we will um have to look into purchasing for myself because i can feel like a layer of that yeah into a look i just prefer you don't say we it's something that i want to look into for you know you if it's a you thing Uh you know very much so something there i can't i could i could (laughs) never never. if y'all see me wearing anything trump related just know that i don't got got okay Mm -hmm. it's either like not my body it's either my clone yeah. Or like someone's paying me an absurd amount of money to, you know, lose my morals. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's something that happened. And I can see the waves rippling from that. Ooh, um, and we don't chat politics often on this platform. We like to keep it light and sprite. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that whole debacle, if there's ever a moment that y'all want us to discuss it, I guess let us know. Um, but man, that's. Yeah. But we'll see what comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in other news, Asian Dolls tweet. That was uh, highlighted on the Shade Room. Trying to rap at 30 is crazy. For those of you who don't know, and some of you may not, Asian Doll is a D-tier rap artist, mm. more so social celebrity in some circles. Yeah. Um, And she did share that tweet um, on the Shade Room in the comments roasted her. It <laughs> was. I mean, first off, girl. 30 is not old yeah. to do anything. Can we talk about it's that? Not, that's like the beginning of a lot of people's taking off of their careers. I honestly. agree. And you if know, if you make it to thirty as a rapper, you you probably got a, as a successful one with a good, thrive, growing audience. Yeah, you're set for the rest of your life. I agree. And you know what I blame? I blame youth culture, our obsession with being youthful, our obsession with being young, and as a result, like we think that the only good things in our life can happen when we are young. The only monumental movements in our life can happen when we're young. That is absolutely not true. And 30, you know, in the the grand scheme of things of how long people be living, that's only like under halfway. <laughs> like you got very, a yeah, lot more life to live. Half, half middle age. Yeah. So I don't know. That's a really odd perspective, especially coming from someone who's almost 30. Yeah. Asian doll. <laughs> Aren't you almost 30? Girl. Right, and it's also why isn't rap given the um, the freedom to have their artists age gracefully mm. and still maintain relevancy like other um, genres get, like mm. 
R&B stars roll right into their older age and maintain relevancies and success. Mm-hmm. Uh, country stars, pop, many pop stars uh, can, are, can, are able to transition. Um, why aren't we giving that to our rappers? I don't know. I no. never really thought about it like that. That's an interesting perspective because I guess because I am of a certain age, when I think of rappers that are monumental, they are um, like in their 40s and things like that. And I'm yeah. like, oh, like, I mean, you can still continue to rap. Perhaps she was saying if you're going to begin a rap career at 30, that's wild. Because she did say trying to rap at 30, which implies uh, like, a you know, an attempt, an attempt. But I also think that it's OK. I hope you all know that it's OK to have hobbies. Not everything is meant to be your title and your career and your source of income. Yeah. People can casually rap and be very good at it and don't care to be famous or part of a label. Mm-hmm. that's okay too so if someone decides you know i've always been a great lyricist and poet and i want to rap in my spare time i have no problem with that yeah and there are countless examples of people who have gone into entertainment started entertainment and later in life and have seen a lot of success look at all the countless actors that have popped later in their careers and in music i would say drake is probably at the height of the hip-hop rap game right now and he's deep into his 30s right Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's it was it's the thing that i hate honestly that's that's my thing (laughs) that i hate was that that tweet i hate it too i hate ageist commentary coming from anyway telling people they're too young to accomplish stuff telling people they're too old to accomplish stuff all that is tired all that is ageist and it's just not it's not a real thing it's not it's not not real good one though thing i hate yeah um, oh, also, we got a listener letter question that I wanted to get into. Okay. Um, there was a question about one of the tops we were talking about the other episode where um, you were getting into an app that you love to use to oh, um, yes. to kind of journal through your life experiences and document all the things that you've been feeling on a, from a mood and, and uh, self-care and wellness perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I highlighted a closet app that I use. Um, called Stylebook. Um, mm-hmm. The question was basically, what was the name of the app, and does it help with getting rid of clothes in my closet? Mm-hmm. And yes, it does, because there's an aspect of the app that'll tell you how long it's been since you wore it, mm. and that's where the truth comes out. Okay, um, you could filter by anything you haven't worn in the last six months, year, three months, weeks, whatever, and it'll show like, okay, these are things that have been collecting dust, you should get rid of. So that is the Stylebook app. Mm, that's uh, such a clever little interested in downloading. It's a clever little um, feature because even now, one of the things that we're working on in the home is really organizing our sort of master space, um, owner's suite, whatever the proper terminology is now. Um, and one of those things is me coming to grips with the fact that I got to let some stuff go. Like there's some stuff that I'm holding on to that I haven't worn in nine months, a year or so on and so forth, but I don't realize it because I'm not keeping track of it. Mm. So having an app to be able to tell, you no girl, no, these things are the confirmed things that you are no longer wearing. You can probably let them go would be helpful for me when I'm actively trying to declutter. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I need to go through that app too and kind of filter by there's things i probably haven't worn in two years yeah that, that app will probably expose mm-hmm. that i need to get rid of and uh you know also with fashion trends shifting mm-hmm. <laughs> like is anyone even gonna buy this stuff yeah and at a, at a certain point it's just gonna have to become donated which items. is always a nice thing to do yeah mm-hmm. i agree 
Mm-hmm. All right. Love listener letters. If anyone has a listener letter, there are a couple ways that you can ask us questions. You guys know that you can find us on Instagram at Lovers and Things Podcast and just drop us a DM, or you can leave a voice note, which is how that one came through on the Spotify app. Yes. And you can leave comments and chats in Spotify app as well. Yeah, talk to us. <laughs> All right. So last week we saw Barbie. We finally. did, y'all. We finally saw Barbie and Oppenheimer. We, we saw, saw both. Oppenheimer as well. And while we did not participate in what is culturally known as Barbenheimer the weekend that it happened, we did get through both of them in about three weeks time. And I'm glad we did. I'm glad yeah. we did. Because originally I wasn't like super interested in seeing Barbie, believe it or not. I was like, ah, like if I get to it, I get to it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I felt like Oppenheimer was the one that I was like, I kind of need to see that one. Yeah. Isn't that strange that I had those different perspectives? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think we haven't had a much anticipated film come out in a while yeah. i can't remember the last film that i was eager to see oh like a theaters. big like other than i mean little weekend. mermaid was a big one but i personally wasn't eager to see that one yeah um but you were mm-hmm. um what other films were there like last year I, I remember wanting to see everything everywhere all at once yeah i guess this to your point is the last highly anticipated movie that I've seen since The Little Mermaid. And The Little Mermaid didn't have much competition in the theaters, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Whereas in this case, both both Barbie and Oppenheimer are supposed to be like huge films. Yeah, and they did deliver. Yeah. They did deliver uh, from a, if you use that word, huge films, from mm-hmm. a scale perspective of yeah. the production uh, to the the cultural impact and conversations that has that has, uh sprung off of those films Mm -hmm. and i guess we can go through oppenheimer and share our thoughts and then going through barbie yeah um and share our thoughts on that and kind of give our what we which one we prefer absolutely because you know if nothing else greg and i are film scholars oh okay film scholars okay i'll accept the title (laughs) we're not we just really enjoy films we have a lot of opinions yeah we got a lot of thoughts you know what i'm saying so let's start with oppenheimer since that's the first one that we saw yes and i think with oppenheimer the big thing that was about that film was the technical aspect of it a lot of the promo was about the technicalness of the the direction and Mm -hmm. the cinematography um you know they were highlighting that the way the, the media uh the medium at which you should watch it uh and particularly with imax mm-hmm. 70 millimeter i the I, only imax 70 millimeter film i mean theater that was in the area was in like midtown new mm-hmm. york and mm-hmm. i wasn't prepared to, for us to drive 45 minutes into the city mm-hmm. park and to watch that so we settled for 70 millimeter format Yes. In the New Jersey area. Yes. And for those of you who aren't film buffs, you're probably curious as to why the 70 millimeter is important. Greg will share that in just a moment. And also for those of you who aren't aware of the the general plot of Oppenheimer, it is essentially the story of a man who led um, what would have been the development of the atomic bomb. Yes. And um, his name was, his last name was Oppenheimer, hence the name of the movie. I did not know that, so I'm sharing that with y'all. Neither did I. Um, and it's also directed by Christopher Nolan, who you guys may most be familiar with. Um, movies like Interstellar and um, what's Inception, another one? Inception. Was a popular one. Um, so that background is important um, because it kind of plays into, honestly, the critique of the film as a whole. Yeah, and they leaned into Christopher Nolan's technical 
as what she's in a promo. Yes, by way of the 70 millimeter and things like yeah. that too. And qu- honestly, I don't, I don't think there was a big difference in the movie <laughs> when I saw it. I guess from a format perspective, your mm-hmm. aspect ratio is a bit taller, meaning you can see more vertical okay. space above the subject. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a reference point, it does all look the same to you. Mm-hmm. So technically, I appreciated it, but I didn't see the format really being leveraged as much as I saw the format being leveraged in the film Nope by Jordan Peele. Ah. Now, Nope uh, did a very good job of making things feel very large. Uh-huh. And that is where, you know, they use the IMAX film format, mm-hmm. uh, or Jordan Peele did. And that movie, you really got an, an idea of scale. Yeah. This film, my criticism, is that at the crescendo of this moment, mm-hmm. the, the atomic bomb test, mm-hmm. when they finally did it, the big moment was in macro. Mm-hmm. Meaning the big moment was very close up. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay. I, it was still great nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm expecting a classic mushroom plume. Yeah. shot to sit in this this large scale um, but also knowing nolan leans on practical effects mm-hmm. meaning he wouldn't really use too much cgi right i could see how he had to work around that uh aspect but my point of view technically i appreciated the the use of the larger format also mm-hmm. appreciated um the storytelling aspect right. of it mm-hmm. and the the use of the there was a trial against Oppenheimer that they leveraged to create a lot of conflict. Yep. Not that that was pretty fun. I, th- I appreciate the back and forth. And, and I think you were talking about that was what mm-hmm. you enjoyed too. The, the him going through that court case and well not court case, but the trial, the, the, the trial and, and defending himself in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, because I'm not, um, I th- about the the way the film was filmed the seventy million I couldn't tell the difference. I'll be honest with you. Like it looked like a movie to me. Like there was nothing that I that my untrained eye would have been able to see. Uh, but I did find that the storyline was really nice. Um, that's such a, a a high level way to explain it. But I think that it flowed well, and the I think pacing. the pacing was really nice. And with any sort of storytelling on film, I appreciate when characters are humanized, especially when we're thinking like a historical or documentarian format, because oftentimes history uh, highlights the great about people. Yeah. So him being the creator of the him leading could have very well been more of a hero story. But what they did was really humanize him and showcase, quite frankly, what I find to be more losses than wins, more flaws than clean parts of his life. Yeah. Um, We saw how innately fractured he was as a person and how that showed up in his work, how that showed up in the relationships, the romantic relationships that he had. And through his perspective, we were also able to see um, uh, other key characters in his life. So we talk about the um, the woman, the first woman that he kind of fell in love with that ended up sadly taking her life. We see um, his who who's, becomes his wife and things like that. But we see all of them by way and in relation to his messiness, which I think is interesting. Yeah. We find the first woman because he's cheating on the first woman that he's with. We find his wife because he's, she's married at the time and she, she gets pregnant by him and it's a whole thing. And now they got, right. it's all messy. Everything's very, very messy. So you see the chaotic mind of this genius 
and then all the the mess that he creates but then you see the one good thing that kind of comes out of him which is the, the scientific um, ex- you know execution of this yes uh, and, bomb. and even that is not necessarily a good thing and the film does a good job of also showing the double-sided sort of coin to the creation of this historical thing Mm -hmm. and that while it is a scientific um uh it's at the forefront of a scientific revolution it's also at the forefront of global destruction yeah and what that means for communities and humanity across the world so i liked that juxtaposition the film felt chaotic it felt really bare it felt really gritty and i think that was the point yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's a weapon, mm-hmm. and he had to deal with the conflicts of, you know, being scientific about it, mm-hmm. the national security element of it, yep. but also the fact that this thing has one sole purpose, mm-hmm. and that's to destroy. Destroy, and uh, we saw him dealing with that displayed in a way that I felt was very creative, mm-hmm. um, with the. It was the um, celebratory moment at the end when the test mm-hmm. was completed and, and and him dealing with the noise mm-hmm. of that of the of the people's mm-hmm. the team's reaction, mm-hmm. but also the noise of the potential of this weapon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the trauma that that weapon will cause and create right. and how much it will change the world. Yeah. And uh, and then like, like you mentioned, I, I, I saw the overall. Uh, errors in Oppenheimer the way he was moving Mm -hmm. and it it was just a a cockiness Mm -hmm. about him that I felt created a lot of carelessness yeah Um, you saw the carelessness with like you mentioned the marriage Mm -hmm. the carelessness with the adultery like he was out there it was crazy like just (laughs) hitting on blatantly hitting on other people's wives yeah and and to his own detriment and I think that's the interesting thing about someone as assumably brilliant as Oppenheimer is that as smart as he was he had terrible social skills which I find to be the case for a lot of people who are that gifted is that sometimes their social skills don't be there they like be working against themselves and he even did that by sleeping with your colleague's wife that clearly is not a good thing (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make sense and his cockiness of playing around with national security yeah he 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 did not take that serious (laughs) uh, like he was so like yeah not did not take it seriously Mm -mm. his relationships with people who had what was it? what was the issue they were having like um they were connected with was it the soviet union um, groups or something like that like yeah in communist thi- communist principles right like he was just casually showing up to these meetings like mm-hmm. oh yeah i like these people let me just show up yeah bro you're leading you're at the forefront of the most sensitive scientific uh and like project mm-hmm. on a planet that's at at the risk of national security and you're right. willingly playing around with yeah. like at least have a little bit of koof about yourself and you ain't have it you have it but that was interesting to see that yeah it is honestly if you're someone who cares and to me the film felt a little long if i'm being honest <laughs> yeah it's a long film so if you're one who doesn't like to sit through uh really long storytelling like that you may not you know particularly like the format because if I wasn't a film lover I probably would not have enjoyed that length to be honest I would have just like this is too much Um, some of that information could have been cut out and told a different way 
Um, but I do think if you're one that is a Christopher Nolan fan, and if you care for good acting, because it had an all-star cast. It had Cillian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Rami Malek. Like, all these really big names were in the film. So if you care to see actors doing their best of their best in terms of their craft, it's worth seeing in that regard, just for the performances, I would think. Yeah, the raw grittiness of it really... It- allow the actors to just perform yeah and their performances in the you know just well-written script mm-hmm. and raw talent performing that script yep. was a lot of what i believe christopher Nolan let shine let shine on the film by not adding a lot of flair and distraction I agree. the soundtrack um created a bit of pacing Mm -hmm. but it wasn't disruptive Mm -hmm. and it allowed the performances to shine so yeah um that was a good one that was a good very long yeah (laughs) um, do not drink a bottle of water before seeing this one do not hydrate do not (laughs) and i don't think the 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 technical format was really high like maximized yeah compared to what i've seen nolan do Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm uh, especially with Interstellar. Yeah. Ooh, I love that movie. Yeah, you like it quite a bit. My favorite Christopher Nolan film is Inception, though. Yeah, that one, from one. a scale perspective, still blows my mind. Yeah, world building. World building, very good. Yeah, and speaking of world building, yeah. let's get into Barbie world. Was it Barbie world or Barbie Just land? Just Barbie. I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Imagination. Life is your creation. Do you do. could do my so good or the new um Nicki the Minaj, new yeah, how does I that spice. one go um and i bet like the bobby it's a good song though it is it, because at the end at the, if any, i mean i'm assuming everyone has seen this movie that's why we're talking about it but at the oh end, yeah if you haven't i completely <laughs> forgot about that song and then they played it on the closing credits yeah. i was like oh so that's yeah a, that's, it's a bop it, it hits doom 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 yeah uh, uh, it's cute. It's a great song. It's cute. Um, so we saw Barbie. That took us a couple more weeks to see. Um, we saw it on a random Tuesday night. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, but it was actually very good. So Barbie is literally what you think it is. If you haven't, obviously, it's a movie about Barbie, the brand, the doll, the doll's impact on the psyche of young women, um, the doll's impact on culture. Um, but more so, it journey Barbie journeys through self-discovery self-work a sprinkle of feminism okay a lot of a heavy sprinkle of feminism through barbie's journey to self-realization i would say that is sort of the narrative and she does that um by way of this sort of adventure to solve this mystery that she's experiencing back in her world, which is Barbie land of all of a sudden she lives this perfect life. She wakes up, she does the same thing every day. She looks beautiful. Everything is fine. Yeah. And then one day she wakes up and she's having thoughts of death. <laughs> yeah. And cellulite. And cellulite. And because, oh my God. And, like that. and the right. Barbie land, which is like perfect, not supposed to have any of that. Yes. And so she journeys through um, that sort of thing by finding the person who is playing with her, right? Because you mm-hmm. know, as little girls, you play with your Barbie, and you're you're really playing out scenarios in your life with them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, your Barbie's affected by that. Well, her clearly, her owner was going through some dark stuff, so she needed to find her owner and sort of fix it. And that is like the sort of core of That's what the, the movie is yeah. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a great one. I 
I was blown away by by everyone's performance and as well as like the way it was filmed it was so clean and and so bright and colorful and and so funny Mm -hmm. throughout throughout all the scenes and it's not a kids movie either it's like i think a lot of people were thinking that it was going to be more kid friendly yeah and while it is appropriate i would say for teenagers um, it's not a kid's movie. There's mm-hmm. nothing kid movie about the outside of it being bright and yeah, pink or whatever. Yeah, you'd have to explain a lot to a kid yeah. about certain things, which is fine, but mm-hmm. it creates conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think they would they, a younger child may miss a lot of the things they I may agree. and as a result may not be entertained by it. Yeah, there are a lot of nuanced conversations in there. Um, but I think the thing that I like just surface level about Barbie was the fact that they were so accurate. If you were ever anyone who played with a Barbie or your Barbie dream house and and bought Barbie clothes and all that jazz, you would be shocked at how they 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 inch for inch, corner for oh, corner. Oh, like in a costume design. Made a costume and design, design and set design and the car design. Like everything literally looked like your real Barbie. Oh yeah yeah. Because <laughs> um, I don't have that insight because I wasn't that intimately involved with a Barbie. Sure. Like obviously, mm-hmm. I would imagine everyone knows it's a girl like it's particularly more so yeah, for women it, it's for um, anybody but it's marketed towards little right, girls markets towards little girls i didn't i and, but you were like i remember your reactions of like that literally was exactly how that was <laughs> like everything down looked. to the threading and things like that yeah like the refrigerator y'all know how the refrigerator didn't actually have a hole in it, it was just like a sticker of like food items uh-huh. she opened her refrigerator to like a wall of stickered food items that like gagged me like little stuff like that i thought was yeah. so freaking cute um, so I appreciated the attention to detail and I also appreciated the intentional inclusion piece of it. We saw a Barbie in a wheelchair. We saw a plus size Barbie. We saw a, obviously Barbies, are all sorts of skin tones. We saw, we saw a little bit of everybody, um, which I thought was really nice yeah. because at one point Barbie did become ex- much more inclusive in terms of the, the dolls that they were making. So it was nice to see that reflected in the film. Yeah, overall, it's like an entertaining film with like threads of social commentary woven in between, mm-hmm. and a very um, honest way. I, I really appreciated how they the commentary with regards to you know the and the vulnerability of saying like, what, did what we do with the Barbie in this pursuit of female perfection and female liberation were there negative side effects to that mm-hmm. and i think it kind of highlighted uh some of the things that come out of that movement with regards to the pressures that women would face mm-hmm. um, i'm imagining i'm imagining no, with regards right. to feeling like you have to be perfect that's what barbie is all about really the barbie always is on her it looks good barbie mm-hmm. doesn't look bad and Barbie is a pr- a space and is an astronaut and Barbie is a top chef mm-hmm. and Barbie is um a businesswoman like excelling at their career and like there is very little room for regular Barbie. Yeah. And I think that was one of the undertones throughout the film to mm-hmm. to talk through the effects of the movement mm-hmm. in general and how those products instilled a lot of pressure on younger mm-hmm. women and I I I really liked how they tapped into that 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 topic and gave color to it i do 
too because it's like that's a, like a subtle piece of it that you really don't even think about like you know you want the strong representation for young women because you're coming out of an era when Barbie was made you're coming out of an era where women were really mostly maybe stay-at-home wives lower home workers and the earth secretaries yes secretaries like they weren't making the big decisions and so you create this doll who can do all the things this doll who has endless possibilities and while that's great to see that representation the other side of it is like well what if i don't fit into these very like staunch categories of success Mm -hmm. um so yeah that was definitely an interesting piece of it and i think Margot Robbie, who plays Barbie, does a really good job of like even emotionally emoting the breakdown of um, uh, realizing you're not perfect. The initial crushing of realizing that (laughs) you're not perfect, but then like coming to the realization that it's okay, that, Mm. you know, I can still do things. I can still be happy even if I'm not, you know, even if I'm not quote unquote perfect. She did a really good job of carrying that performance emotionally, I think. Um, alongside some of the other actresses, I mean, obviously I paid attention to Issa Rae because it's freaking Issa Rae who looks like a Barbie in real life. So, I mean, bravo casting team. Um, I I appreciate Issa Rae still like carrying a bit of Issa Rae humor (laughs) through her character. She's so funny. Uh, she's such a queen. Um, Alan's character was funny, um, which was, um, Michael Sarah. Oh, Alan. He's on from... (laughs) What's that, McLuhan? No, what movie I know from? him from Juno. Um, <laughs> Juno, yeah, that's what he was on. <laughs> uh, Michael Sarah. There is also Will Farrell, who plays the um, Mattel CEO, and then um, Simu Liu, who plays. Um, I can't think of the character. No, he plays Ken, but you guys may also know him from the Disney movie. Shoot. Oh, sh- not Shaolin. Oh, shoot! The what Marvel is the Disney superhero yeah. film? He is in Shang Chi. Shang-Chi. Yes, he plays the main character in Shang-Chi. Ah. Um, but he does play Ken in was like the movie. Ken's, one of the mini Kens. One of the mini Kens, <laughs> which was Ryan Gosling's yeah. arch nemesis. Yes. And uh, yeah, Ken's character was, I mean, that was the only, that's the one I could really relate to in of a course, sense. Because yeah. obviously it's a male character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really appreciated the the layers they gave Ken, mm-hmm. which was surprising. Uh, for a Barbie movie, they really gave a lot of uh, light to the Ken character and to to kind of lend to the the commentary that they were providing, mm-hmm. um, and just to see the complexities of people through these uh, dolls was yeah. pretty fun. Uh, like particularly, you know, for me relating to Ken, in a sense that like there was Ken goes through this whole moment of self discovery as well. Where he goes out into the world mm-hmm. and sees men doing man stuff, mm-hmm. and he's in this patriarchal patriarchal society uh, for the first time in the real world after leaving Barbie Land, mm-hmm. and he's exposed to like the man stuff, the football and the <laughs> horses, <laughs> the grilling and horses, <laughs> big TVs, and he is like, "What? It is popping out here!" Like yeah. it is. So he gets. So now he's dealing with the conflict because Ken in Barbie Land is kind of second rate in yeah. a sense, like no really, really pays attention. It's it's Barbie's world, you know, and uh, the girls are living a popping lit life yeah. in Barbie Land, there having was, parties and stuff like that. There was one scene where <laughs> all the Barbies go back to their dream houses because I mean, Barbie has a dream house, and they're yeah. like, "Where does Ken sleep?" And they're like, "I don't really know." Yeah. 
Because Ken doesn't live in Barbie's house. Ken just is just off somewhere. in a box somewhere <laughs> waiting. You know, there's no room for Ken. Yeah, that was funny. Like Ken is just an accessory, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he comes to the world, he deals with this culture shock of patriarchy. And, and then he's like, he gets like the, he gets bit by the bug and mm-hmm. wants to kind of bring that world to Barbie land, which he ultimately does. And, but the thing that like really when he goes through that there's a conflict and they they settle their differences because he takes over barbie land and all the kens take um basically take over and the the barbies work to um basically dismantle their reign Mm -hmm. um they were drunk off their patriarchy in barbie in barbie land they They turned it to kingdom it was kingdom uh, which chaotic mind you chaotic (laughs) it was a mess they were drinking beers they were fighting in the streets they were they were they were being they were doing stereotypical man stuff and i loved it i was like yes really they had swords riding motorcycles doing a bunch of cliche dumb stuff oh that's funny um getting their feet massaged by the barbies oh yeah yeah because at this point the barbies have for whatever reason relinquished their power right and so at this point they're walking around in two small outfits serving them brewski beers and offering foot massages and i was like yo this is a great idea (laughs) (laughs) uh, but ultimately they get taken down um because they went too hard in the paint there was and and ken the main character ken ryan Gosling's character yep has a he breaks down mm-hmm. because the reason why he went so hard in the paint was that because he felt like so much of a second citizen second rate citizen no. and when barbie land was its normal normal ways mm-hmm. um and he felt like he had no identity he felt like he really had no uh, wasn't really living for himself. Mm-hmm. He was living for Barbie. Yep. And uh, you know, in and in some ways, like when he had the moment when he broke down, he's like, "I don't know what I am. I don't know what I do." He's like, I, "All I do is beach," which was like his job. <laughs> his, his skill was beach. So much Not so that like when he surfing. got into the real world, he found the beach. He's like, "How do I apply to beach here?" Yeah, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> "You mean lifeguard?" Like, no, no, that actually requires a skill. Like, I can't swim or it save people. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think like some men can relate to that in this pursuit of playing a character, fulfilling a role, going after a profession Yeah. and you know, maybe it might not be beach, <laughs> but like, you know, guys have, we really kind of lean our identities into our roles and what we do. Mm. Um, but taking the time to find out who he really is was the message in that story. And that yeah. Barbie gave him was like, maybe you need to like. Go off and do something that's not beach. Yeah. And that's not centered around adoring Barbie. Yeah. Maybe you need to go out and learn something about yourself and gain new skills and try things out. And I, I found that very relatable. Relatable. Because I think that's what a lot of men have to deal with. Mm. Um, and through that. So I'm, I'm glad that the film had a little bit of something for everybody in that yeah. regard. There was something for the woman that could relate to and the powerful messaging there. Mm-hmm. As well as a little bit something that the guys could relate to. Yeah, absolutely. Through the Ken character. It was very good. And plus, Ken, the Kins had the best breakout moment of the movie with that dance scene anyway. There was a little <laughs> choreography. Uh, it was long. I felt like it was like 10 minutes of singing and dancing. very dramatic. <laughs> um, them Kims ca- Kins came together to it give us through. a little one-two-one-two. One, two. Yeah, um, the, the beach really fighting nice. scene was so ridiculous. Yeah. It was a classic, like, it, they did such a good job of using a little, 
like the real life uh characters Mm -hmm. as humans but also making them still appear toy like like the whole like fight scene of them rushing the beach to the there were two opposing ken sides yeah they they had infighting in the ken (laughs) of course (laughs) uh, ken fighting if Mm -hmm. you will um and the whole beach war scene was so funny and (laughs) and lighthearted and and it it looked like toys fighting they really did it was the little you know the little toy horses that came in on the little toy stick horses yeah (laughs) and uh oh my gosh it was such a um thoughtful movie and yeah. how they like really uh made these characters such a caricature of the barbie and ken mm-hmm. world so fun so if you had to rape oh more feedback no but i think the the messaging about like um i don't have feedback, but i think the more the messaging about <laughs> barbie wanting to be human yeah was a beautiful takeaway from that mm-hmm. that i think really sends home the message that everyone is perfect as they are i totally agree good stuff that's a good movie and that's one i would watch again um if i had to rate them both Mm -hmm. i'd give barbie an 8.5 maybe even a nine okay 8.7 it's almost a nine for me it's not a perfect movie yeah but it's very good Mm -hmm. i'd give oppenheimer maybe like a 7.2 okay it's a good movie. Yeah. I don't have to see it again. And I, if I didn't see it, I don't think I would have missed anything. If I didn't see Barbie and that's what it held, I'd feel like you I missed, missed something. Lot. And I think that's what we're basically telling everyone. Yeah. You're missing out you if you haven't, haven't seen Barbie. Barbie. <laughs> I mean, quite the, the spoilers that we've given, if yeah. you're not a, you don't get affected by spoilers. Still go see it though. Still There's so much it. we didn't share. And also you don't get the full impact of the visuals yeah <laughs> through the spoiler right? oh yeah the visuals are which are pr- really stunning really pretty y'all y'all have y'all have to go see it yeah um i would agree with your ratings i would agree with your ratings yeah um oppenheimer yeah i could uh, it was all right it you was know, cool it was like, yeah. i really appreciated the acting um More but from like anything. a scale perspective mm-hmm. christopher nolan has done bigger movies in my I'd opinion that, that i've enjoyed more I would agree. Yeah. So um, now it's time to get into our things we love. Things we love. This time it is related to the Barbie movie. It's, yeah. And I think we should talk about um, how to create a Barbie dream house when you have a Ken. Yes. Um, and, you know, we saw the Barbie movie. She had her own world, but Ken struggled. With that. <laughs> and struggle. I think in real life, um, you as a women are typically the homemakers and typically yeah. design the homes and mm-hmm. make the homes who they are, make a house a home. Yes. And there are considerations you have to make for your kin. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kin, my your, Greg. In your world, me. Very <laughs> and I think you have done an exceptional job Thank of you, considering me and your uh, stylistic choices in the home. Yeah, because this is our house, right? 
So definitely. Um, so we are going to share with you guys three things to consider. If again, you are creating your Barbie dream house and you have a kin to consider. Okay. I do want to note that a lot of these tips and tricks are just general tips and tricks about, um, balancing masculine and feminine energy in spaces that looks a lot different for all sorts of people. Um, so this may not apply to everyone, but if you are one that is looking to do that sort of balance with things, this is what, you know, this is what we, we recommend what we like yes um one of the things to consider is the tone of your home and what i mean tone i mean your color palette your tone our home just so happens to be a warm home but if i were living by myself i'd probably be leaning into tones and colors that were probably a little more peachy more pinky more teal and things like that because that's my preference those things just happen to be traditionally more feminine things greg is someone who enjoys navies and greens and in his previous homes aesthetics he's had like navy and reds and things like that which feels more more masculine masculine. Um, but when i was bringing the home together i really wanted it to still have the brightness and fun that came along with you know the feminine things that I enjoyed but I also understood that like I want him to be comfortable in the space and for him to still feel sort of that groundedness that comes from more masculine colors and so for us the thing that kind of came in between all of that from a styling perspectives were our burnt oranges and our muted greens right yeah that's the color aesthetic that is on our main floor and carries to the bedroom a little bit as well um, but it's just really about balancing your tone. You don't have to get rid of the more bright and almost light things that we often associate with with feminism and, and feminine is energy. Um, but I do think there's a way to tweak it and just mute it a little bit or warm it up just a tad. Right. That's like a quick if you warm it up just a tad or mute it a little bit, it doesn't feel as overbearing. So that's the yeah. tip that I have. And that's the thing that I love. I, I love being able to do that. You can get that effect of the brightness that you're looking for, mm-hmm. but in a tone that's a little bit less in one particular color note, like in regards to like a pink yeah. or, a, or, or a peach hue. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, that's, I, that's the thing that I think works really well. Yeah. And I, I agree with that in a sense that I think one of the reasons why I feel comfortable moving through the various spaces of this home is because, you know, I don't feel like... R- just relegated to my office mm-hmm. you know or you know the i don't call it a, a man a den or whatever you call <laughs> the it's man cave man cave i don't call it that but that's my space so when, but when i move into the rest of the home i don't feel out of place or mm. uncomfortable oh, and i think the know. choice you made with using the the, the west elm dining chairs uh, yes that we that we have the jack metal frame mm-hmm. one that we'll we'll link in the description and the green uh, distressed denim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, denim. Distressed velvet. Oh, I said, mm-hmm. I'm like sorry, that I'm, was accurate. That was not even right. De- distressed <laughs> denim is part of my past. That is behind me. That is part of our uh, closet cleanup. <laughs> that's, that's low on the uh, app. Um, but it also has like the brushed uh, light bronze metal on it yeah. that I think brings a, a little bit of feminine tone to it, that gold color. Mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm. But because of its tonality of being more bronze mm-hmm. instead of stark gold, yeah, I helps. think it creates like a nice balanced uh, feel I when agree. I see that color mm-hmm. yeah. in the dining room. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And it's it's which leads me to the second thing that I think is important to consider when balancing um, that sort of masculine and feminine energy in a space is you the use of your textures. Okay, so Greg was just sharing details about the jack metal frame chair. It has a distressed velvet cushion um, that is complemented by the brushed bronze metal, right? So that's an example of balancing texture. The metal is smooth while the distressed velvet is a little more, um, a little more tactile, a little more coarse. And I think sometimes when you're styling traditional feminine spaces, you'll lean into glosses, things that are a little more reflective, shiny things and, and things like that. Whereas in traditional masculine spaces, you may find things that are more, um, woody, wooled and distressed by, but by combining those two things, you get the best of both worlds. Right. So, and yeah, so instead of, um, satin sheets, I wouldn't do satin sheets either way, but like, let's say for instance, I'm using satin as a fabric option. I would probably never use satin in our home, but instead I'll use like a, um, linen, uh-huh. So I still get the texture right, but it's still light and feels, right. you know, and, and does have that feminine sort of thing. Um, Purcell is another um, option of fabric that I like for sheets because it still gives you a little bit of slip without feeling as itchy as like a cotton or a linen. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, stepping outside of your traditional fabric choices and balancing those textures, I think, is important as well. So that kind yeah. of, you know, that leans me into that. We're a very linen knit heavy home gotcha. because I enjoy the detail of texture, but I also don't want to lean into glosses and shine all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we talk about this a bit in like one of our last episodes about the Ikea pieces, but yeah. um, with regards to texture, you know, and those material choices, like leaning into less shimmer mm-hmm. and less glam and leveraging the brushed metals and glass and glass as a, as a way to, uh, get that effect um, is is a very thoughtful way to to get that feel yeah. um, while balancing both sides. Mm-hmm. And for the girls out there who are just legit glam girls, because there are some of you who love your glam. You are always going to love your silks and your satins. You are always going to love your reflective stuff. You are always going to love your 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 brighter metallic things. Yeah. There's That's not to say that you can't still have those things. Um, but perhaps it's more of an accent than the entirety of the space. Perhaps okay. it's not a larger furniture piece. Perhaps it's a vase. Perhaps on it's, the furniture yeah, piece. Yeah, on the furniture piece. Perhaps it's... Or it's a detail like the like a an element on a chair like the leg of the chair probably could have a little bit more reflectiveness on it Mm -hmm. to bring that effect through yeah perhaps maybe your artwork is just a little bit more gives a little bit more drama right because that's what you like so you can still do it don't because you know interior design decor anything really when it comes to styling it's all about what you like what makes you happy so those things make you happy don't get rid of them and we're just speaking to the consideration of like balancing it with other other things yeah so yeah definitely um which leads me to the thing we love for that category so um of texture again we said we are a linen leaning home and one of the nicer additions that i've done most recently is to our master bedroom and what i did was put some um ceiling curtain rods in the space so that our curtains could literally touch the ceiling to kind of elongate the wall but they are these really light linen curtains um and they are folded in a way that i think is really beautiful on the ceiling 
but um, it added just like a cute little layer of texture that made it feel soft and romantic in the room mm-hmm. without it feeling like, you know, like your, a your wife's space. Your, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it feels like it's a very neutral curtain. Right. Very neutral curtain. Now we got it in the a, a white, but you could do, you know, all sorts of colors. Yeah, and the sheerness of it creates a bit of a lightness to it mm-hmm. that can give a slight feminine feel mm-hmm. and vibe as mm-hmm. it moves mm-hmm. um, gracefully, mm-hmm. if you will. If you will. Um, when the windows are open and winds, when the wind is blowing mm-hmm. through them. Um, but the texture gives a light, slight bit of edge yes. that I feel doesn't make me feel out of place mm-hmm. as your Ken. You yeah. Know? yeah, as my Ken. <laughs> Oh, look at my can. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. So that's the thing we love, number two. And then the last one is going to be um, by way of your accents in your home. That's how you can create balance, right? Um, So in our home, and we are still building the vibe of our home, but one of the bigger accents that we have is the chandelier that is in our dining room. Now, because I knew that the home was going to be more mid-century modern and muted, I really didn't want to go with a traditional chandelier. Like traditional something chandelier? That, what do you mean? Yeah, like a, tr- a traditional, I shouldn't say traditional. I didn't want to go with a mid-century modern chandelier. Like a frame, have frame-heavy no, chandelier. I wanted to provide... A lot of metallic metalwork and things like that. Yes, I wanted to provide a little more... Um, or a little more reflectiveness to the space. Yeah. And so I took some time to really look around, like what type of chandeliers would make sense to the space. And we found a, what I would consider more of like a retro 60s inspired prism chandelier. They even came back in the glass 90s a little chandelier. bit. Yeah, where you have these glass prisms that hang around the perimeter of a metal frame. So we were able to find a two layer prism chandelier that has a matte black metal framework to it. So we were able to still create the light and reflectiveness that I kind of wanted to brighten up what was going to be a muted space kind of um and then still have the anchoring piece of it be muted black right so it's still it didn't feel just like a shiny thing hanging from our ceiling it felt more like an intentional piece I think right and like going back to that material choice the use of glass gives you the same a similar reflective feel Mm -hmm. as opposed to this flat out reflective material like some flat like high polish uh, steels Mm -hmm. or mirrored surfaces because sometimes they'll make items like that with literal mirrors on it yes Mm -hmm. instead of using those which would create a a lot of glam effect Mm -hmm. um, you went with a glass to get that similar feel without the the full-on commitment to reflection you know and and i think that's the difference too when you think about traditional like glam design aesthetic it is very much high shine polish and things like that um so again mirror finish mirror finish so if you are a person who enjoys that aesthetic to greg's point you can still get a piece of that with using like a lot of the the natural reflectiveness of glass, glass vases are Geometric, a beautiful place to do that. Items. Yeah, things like that that capture the light in your space without it necessarily being a mirror, like a, a reflection. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, that's a that, that that's is, a tip. <laughs> that's a bar right there. I like that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, we should definitely link that one for sure. Yes, that'll be the thing we love. Chandelier. Yeah, our actual chandelier. I, we will link it for you guys. Um, it comes in a number of sizes. 
sizes as well. I think there were three size options when I yeah, was and, looking. And designs, like there's some that are mm-hmm. staged a little bit. Yeah. And I guess that's the word, staged. Yeah, they're kind of like, there's ones that have um, more height to them, hence more layers. Some of them are more, are more flat, you know, more horizontal versus a vertical kind of vibe. There's lots of different items. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Options, but I think those are some great ones, babe. I think you came up with uh, great sections to help uh, kind of give people the thought process of when it comes down to creating your Barbie dream house when mm-hmm. you got a can. When you got a can. And again, <laughs> um, it's really simple. Your tone, which is your color palette, your texture, which is how the elements in your space are playing together, and then your accents, the personality pieces that kind of bring the space to life. Real simple. I love that. And I and, and I tell you, you have done a, a masterful job at that. Oh, thank well, you, as Eric. I move through the space, because usually when, when you're in a home if you move through spaces and you just feel like certain spaces are just like oh this ain't for me let me mm-hmm. get let me reduce my time in here mm-hmm. um you can you can kind of feel that like when you uh go into rooms that are like like a kid's room it's like yeah. oh this is definitely the kid's room i mean i you know i don't i don't feel that way as i move to the various living spaces in the home and i think you've done an excellent Aww. job at at creating a bounce and i hope you feel also you that you you have your identity yeah and the choices as well Absolutely. I was sitting on the couch the other day in the living room and just like enjoy because this, but you know, when your house be clean, you be on a different level of happy. So my house was clean. Everything was where it needs to be. And whenever I have fresh flowers in the home, like you can tell me nothing. Like at that point, I'm freaking Martha Stewart. (laughs) Um, But I was sitting on the couch and I was like, this is so nice. I'm so happy because it does feel like me as well. So right. It it balances feminine and masculine energy very well. Yeah. Nice. Well, that was our podcast for today. That's you know, all we got. Ain't got no more. If, you know, at this point, I'm going to ask y'all to share this show. Yeah. I mean, I'll, be, I'll be asking y'all every episode. But we mean it this time. It's like, <laughs> share it to somebody you think <laughs> that is interested in the things that you're interested in. Um, we would really appreciate that. We would, because we know we are really about community and Lovers and Things is definitely a podcast. Y'all are listening to us, but we really do feed off the energy of what we know is our growing community. So there's a couple ways that you can share. If you are in the Spotify app or the Apple podcast app, there's actually a little feature in the top right of your phone somewhere that will allow you to share it via text also on your Instagram stories. So we encourage you to do that. Um, I know I love sending texts and videos and stuff to my family group chats and stuff yes. like that. So this is a perfect group chat um, podcast to share. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And if you, <laughs> if you got to this far on the podcast, you know, we really appreciate it. Yeah. We to love get, y'all. To get to this point, we really appreciate, you know, that's, that means a lot. That means you're locked in. We, we are, we're flowing together. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any, thing that you'd like to hear or see us talk about on the pod you know definitely feel free to message us on that as well uh, so that we can have this conversation together and it's not just us pontificating <laughs> about the things we Ponti- care about pontificating <laughs> if you will or the things we love i should say the things we love and i do that would be great you know what we're going to do because this week we got really good engagement on our Instagram. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, let's continue to do that. We're going to pose another question this week and ask y'all what topics y'all want us to talk about. Yeah, and we've been talking about doing a live show prep. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We will go live at a certain time <laughs> to be determined. TBD. Um, and we'll just do a live show prep, meaning we'll talk we'll jot down topics from the week mm-hmm. that we want to talk about and we'll make it open so that people can chime in 
Um, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Uh, we might maybe send a message out on our stories maybe the morning of. Yeah. To let y'all know we're going live tonight, yep. that night. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you enough time to prepare. Um, but yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. We going to do it. We working y'all and um, we hope you have a good rest of your week. That's that's it. Like I said, that's all we got. We ain't got no more. <laughs> the kitchen is closed the kitchen is closed go to bed all right well you heard you heard the chef um (laughs) this was another episode of lovers and things keep loving the things yeah and loving your people it's so so important love (laughs) y'all bye